Crystal Craven, a singer, a songwriter, and a worship leader who's passionate about sharing what God inspires. And this is your weekly devotional. Luke 9, 49 and 50 says, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Now, this may seem to be a situation in which was isolated to the times of Jesus, right? Seeing as it was someone casting out demons. But what if we inserted another action, like preaching in Jesus' name, or holding prayer meetings in Jesus' name, or ministering to the homeless in Jesus' name? I mean, the list could really go on, right? And the reason that John gave for trying to stop this person who was casting out demons in Jesus' name was, you know, quote, because he doesn't follow with us. Now, this in our modern times would be like saying, because he doesn't go to our church. Now, in our minds, we may actually instantly think like, that's silly, right? Of course, we wouldn't try to stop another church from teaching and praying and ministering to the homeless. But what about when they plan an outreach on the same day as your church? Or what about if the congregation is bigger or smaller? Or what about when their ministries seem to yield more fruit than your church's similar ministries? See how things can be a slippery slope when you start differentiating between believers of different congregations? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be discerning because not every establishment that calls themselves a church is actually a Bible teaching and Jesus following congregation, right? Uh, that makes up what we know as what Jesus called his church, the whole, you know, um, uppercase C church. But if they are indeed teaching the Bible and following Jesus, then they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So why on earth would Christians be clicky? Now, Ephesians tells us that our war isn't with flesh and blood. You know, our struggle is not actually against people. And Jesus tells us here that anyone who is not against us is for us. So in light of this spiritual battle that we're facing with, you know, demonic forces, don't you want more brothers and sisters in fellowship and prayerful support and just being the church together? I mean, sure, you and they may be growing, you know, in different sheepfolds under different uh, teachers and pastors, but you're both co-heirs and servants in the kingdom of God, and both your folds have the same head, which is Christ. The Bible tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But will the gates of hell storm itself? I mean, will the ambassadors of Christ be able to storm those gates if they're too concerned with how another ambassador in Christ is storming them? Or even worse, something even pettier, such as which pastor God is using to shepherd them. Jesus' church can't effectively outreach to the lost and make disciples if it's battling cliques from within. Now, this response from John comes after Jesus' gentle rebuke over the disciples' argument over who was the greatest. If you recall, we went over that last week. And it really could be 
a deflective response or maybe still operating in pride, trying to appear, you know, great by promoting an action that he thought was good by stopping this guy that's, you know, trying to cast out demons in his name because he doesn't, in Jesus' name, because he doesn't follow with us, you know. But regardless of the reason that John said this, Jesus' answer still applies. Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Now you might be, you know, part of a large church, medium church, a small church, um, a city church, a country church, home church. You know, really the size and location don't really matter. Um, I mean, the early church met both in houses and corporately, but really the key was what we read in Acts 2:42 through 47 was that they devoted themselves to the teaching, the prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread, and that Jesus grew his church. I mean, your pastor may be a great speaker, you know, in the way that like the early church and current thought of Apollos, um, or maybe a not so enthralling speaker, you know, the way the early church and current thought of Paul. Yet the power of a pastor's words isn't found in their ability to be a great public speaker or this rouser of emotion. The power is found in the word, the Bible in which they're teaching from, and the Holy Spirit who's empowering them and giving them the gift to teach and us to be able to understand. So if our loyalty or our awe or motivation to go to church or reason for wanting to serve is because of our pastor or really any any other thing that's not Jesus for that matter, then we've made an idol out of them. So this really calls for a diagnostic of our own hearts. How do we respond, even in our own minds, when we think of or encounter other Jesus following church congregations or, you know, brothers and sisters that go to other churches that are there just like yours. They're teaching the Bible. They're following Jesus. Do we jump at that chance to fellowship, um, you know, and or serve alongside them? Or do we shy away and kind of keep them at arm's length simply because they belong to another church? Just because we don't actively try to stop them to in the way that John like literally had done with this man that was casting out demons in Jesus's name doesn't mean that there's not a problem to eradicate in our own hearts though because sin starts in the heart long before it ever becomes an action and being clicky which it's actually showing partiality is a sin so next time you see a fellow brother or sister from another church, you know, a church that's following Jesus and they are all about the Bible and growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, and you maybe see a ministry from another Jesus-following church congregation, that's a time to test in your own heart, do you have joy at seeing a sibling in Christ or a work of God being done, or whether there might be some partiality that you need to seek God's help in carving out of your life. I'm going to leave you today with a portion of Jesus's high priestly prayer, um, which he prayed for his whole Big C Church in uh, John 17, as he prayed to the Father. So John 17, verses 20 through 23 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, 
just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. For blogs, written devotionals, and originally written songs, visit crystalcravenmusic.com, and that is Crystal with a K.